Hi, you're with Pet Chat and we're looking at pets' nails today. Something that sounds quite simple but it can be quite complex. I know I'm far too scared to attempt to cut my own dog's nails for fear of cutting too deep. Yeah, well you've got to remember that if you do cut um, the dog's nails and you hit that little vein, it's really going to hurt the dog and the dogs have great memory about pain. So they're going to be hesitant to let you touch that foot again just in case you get the uh, cutters out to cut their nails. So being mindful about what happens, inside that nail bed there's a small a lot of vessels and, and veins that when you cut it hurts so that's why some dogs are really hesitant in that case Sarah where you're a little bit scared I'd really recommend that you get your groomer or your veterinarian yes. to do them because you don't want to inflict any pain on your dog at all I remember cutting my son's nails and nicking him once and that oh, was really <laughs> terrible so the dog's been fine but yeah we just do it when we get them groomed yes yeah but you do also need some dogs don't actually get groomed very regularly some dogs don't get groomed at all they just have their home maintenance done so we need owners to check those dogs nails just to make sure that they're not too long Um, I was saying before about dogs wearing their nails down on hard surfaces well it doesn't always happen and if their nails are really long their nail will hit the ground and make their digits turn out so their toes will actually deform or go off to the side What we're hoping for is a nice, tight little foot on the dog so that the nails are short and everything stays um, nice and formed. If the nails um, cause that toe to go off to the side, it can actually then start to impinge on the dog's health because the wrist or the carpus area will get pain referred by the foot not being landed properly on the ground when they try to move. And that will refer up the leg and into the shoulder and the spine. So we need to make sure nails are cut properly and that they're kept to a nice short length. We do have some um, owners that also with their dogs um, they have a lot of trouble if they're on warfarin or different medications that, and also some elderly people with skin that's very frail. If a dog is to scratch them with long nails, it can yep. cause bleeding on them. So we also need to make sure that we cut those dogs' nails. And in those cases where you've got a client um, whose dog is, is um, on warfarin, you would like to file those nails as well, just so there's no little rough bits on those dogs' nails. But keeping the dog's nails short is really, really important for their health. Um, there's other times too you can hear that your dog's nails are getting long if they're on the floorboards they'll often scratch on the floorboards you'll hear them tapping away they're not actually trying to tap dance it's actually their nails hitting the ground and um, some dogs never really even hit a hard surface a lot of dogs are just inside on carpet or they go out to toilet on grass so they're never experiencing having those nails um, you know wearing away so it is important to check them Another problem that does happen is the little dew claw never ever touches the ground. So what happens with that? It's sitting up, you know, up on the, the like equivalent to our thumb area on the inside of the dog's leg. And what will happen with that, it will continue to grow if it's not cut and it will grow into the dog's pad. And that is obviously extremely painful for yeah, the dog and imagine. a situation we want to avoid. And so, um, Kimberly, you may come in on this as well, but what sort of health issues can arise with nails growing into the pads and that sort of thing, apart from it being painful? Can it mm. cause other issues with the dogs also? Sure, absolutely. Or we can see um, infections in the skin. So it basically means you have an open wound there um, and you've got uh, essentially a foreign body sitting in the pad. So um, you'll have an unresolved infection because you can't get rid of the infection until the nail is sort of out of there. Yeah. Um, and I have actually seen nails where it's grown in one side and grown out the other side of the yeah. pad. So oh, it's a wow. three through and through and it's not through in most cases it's not through neglect it's oftentimes if you have a a long-haired dog they've got a lot of hair around that part of the foot you might not even realize that there's another nail there sure Um, so that's a really uh, important one we can certainly see nail bed infections and things like that
that as well. And they're not always related to the nails, but mm. um, sometimes the fact that owners are having difficulty with their nails, the dog's nails trimming, is because the feet are sore because they might have an infection in the foot, in the skin of the foot or around the nail bed. And so it, it's maybe something to think about if your dog really hates to have his nails trimmed and you think, well, we've never cut them to make them bleed. Why does he hate this so much? There could be something else going on. Okay. Yeah. And Cheryl, just on that, what what is the policy? If you've got a pet owner that thinks, I'm pretty confident cutting my, my dog's nails, um, they're, they're pretty placid, they sit. Do you recommend giving it a go and have you got any tips on, on how they should go about it? Yeah, there's a couple of things that they can do. Um, I've heard about people putting peanut butter on a spoon and letting the dog lick that while they're trying to cut the nail if their dog's a little bit, you know, thingy about their feet. Certainly they need to make sure that when they're cutting that they're only taking a little bit off at a time just so that they know. Um, when I do a dog's nails, I always... Don't follow through straight away. I put a bit of pressure. If the dog even flinches a bit, I stop because that way I know that I'm not going to cut through into that um, nerve ending and cause a bleed. Certainly, um, you know, if you're at all hesitant, it's much better to have someone professionally do that for you. And Kimberly was saying before that um, pretty much any time you guys have a dog under, it's just policy that you will just cut their nails. In our practice, any animal that's under anesthesia, not animal, any dog that's under anesthesia or sedation, we just do a nail trim on them because we don't want to miss that opportunity opportunity to do a really good nail trim on them when it's not stressful for them and we can you know really get a good handle of what we're doing yeah that's really good Mm. advice so keep your keep a check on your pet's nails and just make sure that they aren't causing any unnecessary pain I guess that's right and just look at that length you know if it's looking a bit long it's time to get off and get them cut Mm. and the other thing I'd say Sarah real quickly is that um, keeping an eye on your dog's nails can sometimes highlight like I said other problems Um, my own dog has um, she's got a bit of hip dysplasia and she drags her back feet so Mm. her back feet she wears the top surfaces of the nails Um, Ah, and that's often a really interesting thing for me to see um, in patients in, in hospital um, is that you can often get an indication that there's a problem higher up in the skeletal system by looking at what's happening with the nails. Of course, very mm. clever. Yeah, yeah. some good advice there. We've got Lorraine in Tanilba Bay. Look, a question about your 13-year-old cat for Dr. Kimberly Earle. Yeah, he, he, he just won't gain any weight. Okay, and so is he um, eating well? Yeah, he eats really well even though he hasn't got any teeth. Okay. And he's eating a dry food, a wet food combination? Both. Yeah, both. How about, um, how is he health-wise other than that? Is he vocal? Is he um, restless? Anything along those lines? No, no. He he sleeps and plays with the other cat, okay? Okay. And Um, has has your vet said that he's underweight or have you had him up to a vet? No, not since um, they had their last lot of needles. Right, okay. He was at a cattery for 12, uh, a fortnight. Oh, okay. And he just hasn't seemed to put any weight on since we picked him up from there. Right. Did he, and he lost weight while he was there, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And any diarrhea or vomiting? No. No. Okay. So, I mean, he's a 13-year-old cat, which puts him in our senior cat category. And we're mm. just about to have a bit of a chat about senior cat diseases. But one of our main clinical signs of um, one of our three, sort of, we've got three main diseases we see in cats, um, thyroid disease, diabetes, and um, 
Oh, the other one's just gone off the top of my head. Here, it's on my notes. <laughs> Renal disease, kidney disease. Um, and all three of those diseases, we do see um, weight loss or, or cats that, that present skinny. So either an inability to gain weight or that they're actually losing weight. And so the first thing, Lorena, I would say is we really probably want to get your um, kitty up to the vet and just get some um, screening blood work and some urine testing done on him. Um, yeah. Because luckily for us, all three of those diseases are treatable. Um, yeah, but I've had always... a cat with diabetes before. Yeah, but definitely yeah. best found, um, you know, as early as we can in the piece. So um, definitely worthwhile getting him up to the vet. And particularly if it's happened after something stressful like being in a cattery, uh, if he lost weight there and hasn't gained gained it back, um, it's certainly worthwhile getting him checked out. Okay. Okay? Yep. Thanks, Thanks Lorraine. Thank you very much. Love to hear from you. 49216216. We can answer pretty much any questions. I have faith in Dr. Kimberly. She knows most things. Yeah, most things. Yeah. <laughs> if not, you can look it up. Don't ask me about cooking. I'm not great there. Oh, I hear you, sister. <laughs> David from Windale. Got a question for Kimberly about your cat as well. Yes, please, Don. I, um, I, uh, Dr. Kimberly, I inherited this cat, um, some time ago, about two years ago, the cat had been ill-treated. Now, he'd been left out in the weather to fend for himself. I took the cat on. Uh, he eats well, he drinks well, but, uh, you know, he can jump, but he's very, very tottery on his legs when he sort of gets out of bed every morning. I just wonder whether it could be a sign of arthritis. Yeah, it certainly could be. So this isn't a new problem. It's been going on for a while. Is that right? Uh, yes, it has been. It's sort of got worse. It's sort of, I don't leave him out in the rain or anything like yeah. that. He's got his own bed, but uh, he's very alert. Um, he's still got the big teeth in the front. Yeah. I'm estimating his age would be possibly nine. Okay. Yeah. But he, he's just sort of very tottery we, when he. We certainly can see arthritis in cats. Um, a lot of cats will get arthritis of the, um, particularly the lower spine, sometimes right. the hips as well. Yeah, the um, hips. And that can certainly cause it. Um, Some of our, again, our older cat diseases can cause a bit of uh, muscle loss as well. And so that can make them weak on the back end. So if if he hasn't got a lot of, you know, sort of nice muscle in the back legs, sometimes, particularly when they're getting up and they're a bit stiff and sore every morning, it can make them a little bit wobbly if they haven't got a lot of muscle mass. Um, There are things we can do for cats that are arthritic as well. And so it may be worthwhile checking in with your local vet uh, about, you know, whether or not we should have the cat checked out. And if it checks out clear in terms of um, you know sort of the metabolic issues then yes. there might be some some pain relief or some anti-arthritis sort of treatments that can be given and you might find that it makes a difference in terms of his mobility so that's maybe worthwhile checking out for the old guy all right then doctor okay. thank you very much I, thank I, i've you. got a local vet so i'll take him down there and get him checked out it is a, he, he sort of can jump on a chair he can get down and but he's very just wobbly when he gets out of bed of a morning. Yeah, yeah. I think he's had a cask of wine and he's a bed somewhere. <laughs> oh, that was you, David, remember? Are you sure it's not you wobbling and he just looks a bit wobbly in return? <laughs> right. No, no, no. <laughs> no, good on you and good on you for taking him on as well. We're going to go to Anne now from Woodbury. Now, this is a bit of a tricky question. Please ask away for Kimberley. Hi. Hi, Anne. Hi. Um, I've, I've just... Not too long ago, I lost my 16-year-old dog who um, had pancreatitis, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know, I'm a reasonably disabled person in my 60s, yeah. and I wanted to know whether or not a cat or a dog would be a, the best kind of animal to get to kind of replace the one we had. Oh, okay, sure. 
Um, sorry to hear about your little dog. That's very sad. Um, listen, I think... I would probably lean towards a cat at this stage because really any dog, unless you decide you're going to, you know, sort of adopt a dog who's already in its senior years. Um, and I don't know what your mobility is like, but dogs always require exercise and always require walking. So, um, you know, I think if you've got the ability and the desire, you know, to get out and, and want to get walking, um, then, you know, getting a, um, you know, a relatively calm, you know, small breed dog that's not going to pull on the leash and things like that is, is not a bad idea. But cats are really, really lovely lovely, you know, um, more sedentary pets, maybe not kittens so much. They can be very um, high strung and, and boisterous. But, you know, a, a middle aged cat might be really, really lovely. Something that just wants to come and have a nice little cuddle, a, um, a rub up against your leg and a purr and a bit of a pat from time to time. They can be very, very lovely companions, um, you know, for, for somebody who's a bit older and maybe not quite as mobile, doesn't have as much um, either time or ability to get out and, you know, be vigorously active. Um, yeah. Even younger you know sort of cats um can you can keep them inside only they don't need to go outside and, and you can entertain them with you know throwing games and things like that and most people are able to to enable a cat that way to exercise and things so that's not too bad the other thing to think about is some of your um more unusual pets and I've always been a bird lover and I think that pet birds make really fantastic companions um, a, a good solid you know sort of cockatiel um, that can have a lot of personality in the home and and brighten up your life because they they really can um, you know they bring some sound in they, they're vocal they're a little bit messy so if you're not a big mess pet mess person that's maybe not the best option um, but they take up relatively little um, space and uh, they don't require a lot of extra exercise than you know maybe coming out of the cage here and there so um, that's something to yeah. consider as well. Well, we kind of got down to cat or dog. Yeah, okay. my husband was a well, my husband was a cat person mm -hmm. before we got this dog, yeah. and this dog was a rescue. Um, we got him when he was one, and we never thought he'd last till seven <laughs> or eight. But he oh, actually lasted wow. till fifteen. That's so, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I, my husband wants to get another dog. Yeah, and I'm thinking for the same reasons that you just talked about. <laughs> so you've trumped him today. <laughs> can, either uh -oh. you, can either of you give me some ideas as to how I can convince my dog, my husband that a, a dog is not the right option for us? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it might fall on him then to be the one, the primary exerciser. And most dogs, even young dogs, um, if given adequate amounts of exercise, can be nice sort of settled companions in the house. But there is that exercise component. And if your husband's, you know, out busy doing things, um, he needs to be the one to, to sort of, you know, say like, I'm going to commit to exercising this dog, walking it at least once, if not twice a day. And particularly if it's a yeah. young dog, it'll need to have a couple walks a day. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a little bit harder. That's a discussion you guys probably yeah. need to have between the two of you. But, um, yeah. And just be really mindful of a dog. If you do get a rescue dog, you've obviously had a really good experience with your first rescue dog, but sometimes they are hard work. Sometimes they come with problems that are harder to overcome. Um, and he so was really hard. He was really hard to work with when we first got him. Yeah. And it six years ago, you, before I could even pat him. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So 16 years ago, you were probably a little bit more able to deal with some of those things than you would be now. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was Oh, well, I just think it's lovely. See, I understand about the, the cats being easier, yeah. but how do you pick an affectionate cat? Because I haven't had a good run with cats that really are that affectionate. They're more just use and abuse, hence why, <laughs> <laughs> hence why I'm in the dog, the yeah, dog ballpark. The dog. Yeah. Uh, I'd, think... go, I'd go a dog <laughs> Me too. too. So I'm going cavalier for this lady, but, yeah. you know, don't let your husband hear this conversation if you want the cat. Anne's shaking her 
head going, no, 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 but I would be going dog Lots as of well. really lovely cats out there. I think um, they're all very individual. I think mm. the thing is to um, see if you can get one. There's lots of rescue groups around. See if you can get one on a trial basis and find one that's not skittish, that's not going to run and hide um, under the bed all the time. You want one that's, you know, a bit outgoing, um, not aggressive but a bit outgoing has a bit of personality that loves yeah. to have a nice little cuddle and um and do them on a trial basis to see if they fit with your you know family personality and that's yeah. a beautiful thing i guess you can mm. do a trial with the rescue yeah. um and whilst you will get some animals from there that possibly have problems a lot are just beautiful, beautiful. and just yeah. need i've had a few i've adopted it well fostered a few yeah and they've just been absolutely beautiful and craving affection so yeah. some of them are just yeah. perfect just yeah. want to be with you and love me love me so that's right a few options for you there Anne and your husband when you have your discussion and sort it out yeah. <laughs> got Julie from Bellbird now you've got two cats one male and one female and is happy for the pre what oh <laughs> hi, Ju- hi Julie that. how are you doing have we Julie, got Julie you there? Oh, you, oh. we got you there Julie hello oh there we go have we got you Julie <laughs> We're having a little bit of a chuckle. I think you're breaking up on us. The the line's not good. But it looks like you're offering to give Anne, who was our previous caller, one of your cats. Oh, what a bummer. I think Julie's a bit out of range. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know if that's a genuine offer or not, but we might keep your details just in case. (laughs) <laughs> Four nine two one six two one six. Yeah, that is a bit we of a giggle. We fixed your problem for you, Anne. Yeah. Well, that was an easy one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, we've <laughs> sorted that out. Let's have a look at older cats now. What are some of the mm-hmm. diseases that they can get? Yeah, so older cats, cats are a little bit um, more subtle as they get older. You know, when you think of an older cat, you're usually thinking of the cat that's lying on the back of the lounge and just sleeps most of the day. And that is what older cats tend to do. And it means that they're actually quite good at masking signs of disease. Um, And you have to be a bit um, careful and and looking for their subtle sort of changes. So the three top old cat diseases that we really see are um, thyroid disease, and in particular, an overactive thyroid, um, renal or kidney disease, and then diabetes mellitus as well. And so when we think of old cat diseases um, and the clinical signs, these three diseases have very similar clinical signs. So we might be seeing a cat like the caller earlier who's got um, weight loss. Okay, Um, Often the cats start to drink more water. They might be using the litter box more frequently or they might just be changing their urination habits. They might be going in inappropriate places, which Mm -hmm. is uncommon, you know, which is common. Yeah. we might see that they're more vocal. And so particularly thyroid cats are known to become more vocal. They start calling for food all the time and they're hungry, but they're not gaining weight or they're restless and they're not resting the way that they that they could be. Um, and so we'd really encourage cats. Our cat friends get a little bit um, neglected. And you look at the statistics of the number of cats that are presented to vet hospitals. Um, it's much, much, much lower than dogs. And I think because they are a bit more calm and quiet as they get older and they don't sort of ask for the attention um, necessarily as much. So if you're noticing your cat um, is maybe losing a bit of weight or begging for food and not maintaining weight, um, increased drinking, increased urination, those sorts of things. Um, there's obvious signs as well. If your cat's vomiting um, and cats, lots of people will come to me and say, oh, well, she's always been a vomiter, but now we've gone from vomiting, you know, once a week to maybe four times a week. That certainly should ring some alarm bells. Yeah. We definitely want to have a look at those sort of cats. 
And the really nice thing about those three big diseases that we see in cats is that they're all treatable, okay? Not every cat necessarily, but all those diseases have some treatments available for them. Some of them are very easy. Some of them are a little bit more time consuming. Um, but definitely we can improve the quality of life in almost all cases by identifying the diseases and, um, and looking at some sort of treatment for them. There's a few other diseases we see or, or conditions that we see in older cats. So arthritis, like the um, we had a caller earlier, um, so we certainly can see arthritis. And again, you may not notice it as much. Dogs, dogs, you know, they'll start to limp. They might drag their feet like my dog does. But cats just sometimes stop moving around. And you mm. might think, oh, well, she's old. It's just what she's doing. But it might be that it hurts to move around. And so I don't really want to move around, okay? Sure. So there's lots of things we can do for that. Um, we can also see dental disease very commonly in cats. And everybody says, well, if there was dental disease, if it was bothering my cat, wouldn't they stop eating? But unfortunately, that's not actually the case. They keep eating. If you don't eat, you die. And so, you know, by the time the mouth is that painful that they that they would rather stop eating, um, you know, it's pretty bad. So yeah, having a look and making sure your cats, particularly your senior cats, really we should be seeing them from a vet standpoint, I should be seeing senior cats, you know, at least once a year, if not twice a year. And if they've got any of those signs of chronic, um, you know, chronic diseases, we probably should be seeing them a few more times than that. And we can really extend the life and quality of life of these guys. It's a good reminder. And because cats are quite self-sufficient, I guess, is another reason why you just think, oh, okay, they're doing what yeah. they do. Yeah. You know, there's not a problem. So a good reminder just to get them checked and yeah, make sure don't, they're, they're Don't okay. neglect our cats just because you think that they're pretty healthy. Sometimes there's things that can be, you know, still changing and we can do a lot for them. Excellent. It's Pet Chat taking your calls, 49216216. And having a quick look at the weather today, it's thanks for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, Maitland, for Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen and Isuzu Ute. Yeah, it started to rain here again at Callahan. Just having a look out. It's on and off and it's going to remain like that all afternoon. We do need the rain, so it's not such a bad thing. Just a reminder to be careful, though, if you are on the roads because it can get quite slippery. Now, we're going to have a quick look at our pet rescue of the week. We've got Mambo here. Isn't he cute? You can see him at 2NURFM. Yeah, go (laughs) check out our website. He's a bit of a... um, Oh, sorry. I've been calling him Mambo. It's Dynamite. Dynamite? (laughs) It says Mambo at the top. Yeah, someone silly has made a typo. That that was me. Oh, whoops. Yeah, it's Dynamite. (laughs) Dynamite. Sorry, Dynamite. It actually suits him better. He's a nine-year-old Jack Russell Cross. Um, He's a cutie. As you'd imagine, though, lots of energy for a Jack Russell Cross. He loves playing with toys, so you need lots of toys for him. Uh, He does like to interact with other dogs, but he does have his quiet times, likes to lay on the couch with humans as well. Uh, He walks well on the lead, which is great, sits and comes when called, and he loves getting in the car. So he's a bit of an adventurer, little Dynamite. Uh, He's an inside dog who loves human company, and he would like to get along with other small dogs as well. So if you've got small dogs, not a problem there. If you want more information, you can contact Trish, 65627937. And if you want that information again, as always, please head to our 2NURFM website, which is 2NURFM.com. Um, Kimberly, I was just thinking about David that rang up earlier with the cat with the wobbly legs. Would massage be any good for that? Uh, it, it certainly might be, um, particularly from a standpoint of just keeping the muscles going and, um, you know, reducing atrophy a little bit. Um, cats often like to have a bit of a, you know, rub down the backs of the legs. They'll often go nice and stiff and yeah. um, and enjoy that. So not, not stiff, but, you know, they'll yeah, sort of push stretch into their it. legs and push into it and mm. things like that. Um, so that can, you know, sort of help to keep him um, sort of mobile and, and comfortable. And even just a nice sort of massage can help to warm the muscles a little bit too and, and keep the, the joints and things nice and warm and 
and just keep that movement happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And you can do that at home. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Just do yeah. that while you're in front of the TV, having some chill out time with your loved one. Absolutely, yeah. Have them sitting on your lap and just do a little bit of, um, you know, sort of rubbing up and down the leg a little bit, a little bit of passive range of motion where you might extend and stretch the leg out gently um, as long as the cat's willing. Yeah, yeah. and that's mm. getting good blood flow there to that area then mm. as well. Yeah. I often tell my husband I need that, a bit of it, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't work. That's about all we've got time for today. Dr. Kimberly Earl, Cheryl Shaw. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Pet chat back again next week.